Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Warren. So this week on the podcast, we have Aaron Monaghan. Aaron is one of the brightest stars of the Irish stage. Um, uh, you're probably best known from the second violinist and the beauty queen of the Nan, most recently. Also, Waiting for Godot, uh, which is on tour at the moment, Druid Shakespeare, the Colleen Bond, Druid Murphy. I mean, he really has done everything. I'm literally just flicking through his CV and it's kind of overwhelming. We talk a little bit about when he played Romeo and Romeo and Juliet and the Playboy of the Western World. He's got an amazing collaboration and he, he's part of the Druid Ensemble. Uh, on screen, he's also done loads of brilliant work as well and doing more and more of that, which is very, very cool. Uh, you might know him from Striking Out or Jack Taylor or Vikings or Love Hate or Maze or The Foreigner or Assassin's Creed or 71 or Patrick's Day. There's just tons and tons and tons of stuff uh, and he's an absolute gentleman to boo. Uh, the podcast was really different what I thought it was going to be I don't know why I had I think because I'd seen Aaron on so much stage um, and the stage work that it, it was so interesting to just chat to Aaron because he really is um, I mean to call him a character actor isn't even to do him a service like he's so much more than that He, when you see him on stage he really brings a full person to the stage um, and it was really nice to see him as Aaron and like uh, get to know him uh, in that way and uh, we got on great and um, if you are listening Aaron although I have a feeling you're not because he said he didn't like to, to listen um, back to these things which I totally get but um, will someone tell him I said thanks and I really appreciate it because it was a deadly chat in other news guys when you're listening to this I've been banging on about lyrics um, I play for the last ages and um, basically it's done you're going to hear this on the, the Sunday or uh, in the, the coming days after that and um, yeah, it's kind of mad lyrics finished uh, uh, last night um, to you guys I'm recording this on Friday just before we go on stage for our 7 o'clock show and it's kind of berserk um, it flew in and it's been a real whirlwind uh, obviously producing your own work is stressful and hard but also the most rewarding kind of thing and uh, we've gotten really lovely responses from our audiences every night and feedback from people afterwards um, it's been challenging it's been exciting um, but mainly it's been just really illuminating to kind of um, just know how many brilliant people you have around you uh, and I mean that from friends and family and mainly the amazing team we had uh, in Romana Testaseca as the director Danielle Galligan as the incredible other cast member of Lyrics and the wonderful Ellie Hendry uh, which is not to mention Shane Gill Kira Mernan, Ben, my little brother, uh, Ben Moran, uh, who did all of our, our, our filming stuff, uh, and Steve Murray, uh, also Tom Maher did some amazing photography. These are all um, just little parts of the puzzle, and uh, obviously Laura Honan and Carl Shields at the theatre upstairs have uh, just really made it a dream team, uh, and it's been such an enjoyable few weeks. Um, I could kind of go on about it for ages, uh, but I won't, because... Um, uh, I want you to hear this interview with Aaron. Um, also, in other Aaron news, enough about lyrics, but yeah, basically just to say a big thank you to everyone who came um, to see it because uh, I got to meet some personality bingo fans that I'd never met before, which was really cool. And I also just got to see you know some friends who like the podcast and some friends who don't like the podcast and loads and loads of people who I'd never had the pleasure of meeting before came in and um, saw my work, which was really lovely. Um, and just a massive thank you to everyone who took the time um, to be a part of the process whether that was in the audience or a part of making the show it's been a real honour and I'm excited to you know, hopefully bring lyrics back uh, but more importantly get on to the next thing and um, start making more work because that's what it's all about uh, as I said um, I can release a little exclusive today in the podcast that Aaron's actually going to be um, kind of like headlining uh, the festival as Richard III as part of the Druid um, company um, they're doing Richard III it's going to be at the Abbey as part of the Theatre Festival this October um, I have a feeling this is a role that Aaron might have wanted to play for a long time because it's one of Shakespeare's greatest villains and I think he's going to absolutely destroy it. I think it's going to be uh, kind of a shit show in the best way. I can't wait to see what sort of madness goes on that stage because it's an amazing play and as I said, Aaron really is 
possibly the best actor of a generation. I don't think that's an overstatement to say that. He really, really is incredible. Um, the awards that he's won got to prove that, but um, go and see him on the stage. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my absolute pleasure to announce Aaron Mullahan playing Personality Bingo with Tom Warren. Monaghan, ready to play Personality Bingo? I certainly am. All right, sweet, let's do it. So I'll give a quick explainer of how it all works. So uh, I've got to put 60 minutes on the clock. I have 60 questions here and 60 balls in the bingo machine. I've also given you a sheet with five uh, numbers on it. Yes. I? Yes, I have. Uh, would you do me a favour and read out the five? 14, yeah. 27, okay. 38, right. 49, yes. 52. Lovely. Uh, would you do me a favour and pick a, a sixth number of your choosing, something between one and 60 that's not already on the sheet? Right. What are you going to go for? 23. 23. Any reason? My birthday. Okay, nice. Sweet. All right. Uh, and I should say that if all of uh, those numbers do come out, that means you just get to tick oh, them cool, off. Okay. And if you get all six, the tables are turned and you can uh, ask me any one of these questions on the sheet or uh, anything that you might want, which has never happened, I should say. Right, so okay. we've done like 60 odd episodes, so you could be the first. Um, Short but, answer, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, let's give it a spin. Here we go. Whoops. First one out the gate. We have number 28. Do you have it? No. No worries. Number 28. Uh, the question is... Oh, right in the deep end. Do you believe in love at first sight? Oh. No. I don't think I do. No. No. I believe that you can fall in love when you're really young. I had this argument with somebody. Mm. And I think I did fall in love with somebody when I was five. Really? Yeah, yeah. Really, really young. And then, yeah. And I remember uh, a teacher... Um. It was a poem called Growing Pains. I remember in first year in, in school, uh, secondary school, a teacher read out this and I went, oh, it's, it is possible. It's this beautiful old poem. I think it's written in the 40s about this father whose son comes home from school um, uh, and he says, a girl at school called Jessica, she hurts in here, he said. I always remember that line. Mm. And um, it was about this kid. Yeah, this kid couldn't sleep and he was hurting and he was, he'd have to fall in love with this girl in the playground called Jessica. Wow. So that's what I believe in. I yeah. I believe in my love for style. I just, no, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> you played Romeo. Yeah. What, what, what I, I just finished playing Romeo. Uh, yeah, out in, I was doing it out in the mill now, but like it was, it was lovely and nice, like good run at it. And uh, what, 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 because it's such a, it's such a it's such an interesting role because it's so intense like is in like emotionally where like you're going and it's all happened so fast and stuff. How did you like? What was your take on that role and like what's going on there? Um, that that's the bit I didn't get. If I'm really, like, I'll be really critical about my work. There's loads of stuff I was gonna go. Right, I I don't think I really nailed that. It's funny with that character. He makes more sense as you go on. He becomes a bit more believable. You kind of have to kind of, you know, um, imagine what it's like to be a teenager. And, and both those characters kind of mature a lot as the play goes on. Or they become a little bit more believable as the play goes on. Because, you know, he, he's with this, uh, he's mad about this girl who you never see. Mm -hmm. And then he's instantly over her. And like, like one of the most astonishing things is when he hears Juliet's dead. He doesn't go off into a big soliloquy. He kind of goes... I lie with thee tonight, mm -hmm. and I think that's so mature. It's just it's bizarre. I think it's um, he's written not so much Juliet, but certainly Romeo as this kind of immature character early on, and then he kind of 
uh, yeah, yeah, I felt I felt I could play him better in the latter half of the play, but like I was I was doing the play with my then girlfriend at the time as well, mm. um, so so that helped, you know, that yeah. was kind of that was interesting, yeah, yeah. What what? Because like they, I've heard that said about like how chemistry translates, like if 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 like as you said, if you're in a relationship off stage, what was that like? Juliet was your girlfriend. Yeah, Gas, yeah, right. Yeah, and her her mum, um, uh, uh, Anita Reeves, uh, God rest her. Um, she she was playing the nurse. Wow. Uh, so um, and Anita was like, a, she was a hero to me. She was like a mother to me, really. Um, but that was lovely. So I mean, I suppose I was probably nervous actually starting because kind of going, it can be difficult working with people, y- y- you know, and you know, uh, but there was no issue at all. It was kind of. I don't know. I think chemistry is necessary to play lovers, even even if you um, aren't. You know, if you're playing a lover on somebody with somebody on stage, a chemistry does build mm-hmm. uh, between you. Um, it it always happens. Mm. Uh, you know, it just it just does. I think it's like for the length of the run of the play, or whatever. You just kind of you actors just find themselves getting into that thing. Do you not find? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, it's bizarre. And as soon as it's done, it's over. Like it's yeah. not. It's not a real thing. No. But it does happen, you know. I think I think it is necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been in the position where you were trying to, like, um, you know, you were trying to tap into that because it was necessary for a part, and like it was a struggle, and it wasn't there naturally. Um. Yeah, I think I think I probably have. It's kind of hard to remember all the plays now, but mm. I think you you find other ways. You kind of go, uh, well, I find. I find their interest in that particular book interesting or, you know, or you find that their sense of humor is uh, uh, something that you can connect to. Um, But it happens very rarely. I think, I think a lot of the time, if the play is well written, you're investing in the words and you start believing in the words. So if you're saying, oh my God, I love you and I want to do terrible things Dean Benz you start believing in that. Like, you know, if if the play is well written and if you're able to get into it, um, it doesn't really matter, I suppose, if the other person's responding in the same way. I think, I think that's where the chemistry comes from, isn't it? Absolutely, it's a good play, isn't it? And do you think that, like, for example, because I think you're right, like, I really relate to what you're saying about, for example, the Romeo and Juliet. Like, do you think that that is a well-written play from that point of view of like that? That first bit is really fucking tricky to do with it Romeo. Is. Yeah, I do. I I really do. I think it's, I think it's so easy to dismiss it, and it's so easy to dismiss Romeo and Juliet as characters as like you know. They're really smart. They're really, really smart. And yeah. like it's such a complicated play. Like while while, you know, it starts off with he's organizing a the father's organizing a wedding and stuff like that. And, you know, while he's there's these other two youths called Mercutio and Tybalt who are like they're the really fiery, passionate ones. Mm. They're the youthful ones, you know. And while the father's organizing a wedding to Paris, like Romeo's in bed with his daughter. You know, and that's a real grown-up thing. That's that that's like they're getting on with. They're kind of going, we're in love. That's it. We're getting married, and that's it. Um, it's a, it's a brilliant play. When you when you sit back, it's it's very it's you know sometimes when plays are often kind of overquoted, they kind of uh they become too simplistic or they kind of, I don't know, they become a pastiche or something in 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 our in our minds. But like, 
I'll never forget like realizing that when Romeo was saying he he jests at scars and never felt a wound, but soft what light through yonder window breaks. First of all, he's talking to the audience, mm-hmm. and he's he's looking he's he, he's looking at her and kind of going, "Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Oh my God, look at her, look at her!" And it's really alive and it's really real. Mm-hmm. It's it's br- it's a brilliant monologue to do, for example. Um, but the the moment I realized this clicked for me, and it's like such a duh moment was that like. He's doing this in the worst place possible. He's doing this in the garden of his mortal enemy. Yeah. So he can't talk above a whisper. Yeah. And that's that's that would that's really exciting as well. So it's a really clever play. Yeah. It's a really, really clever play. And maybe because it's on the junior cert syllabus or something like that and and maybe a people's first introduction to it is seeing an old BBC video with, you know, tunics and kind of roughs and stuff like that, it goes, Oh my god, it's really old and jaded. Yeah. I think it's a brilliant play. Yeah, it really is. It's great. Great. Let's give it a spin. Sorry. All right, here we go. Uh, number 14, do you have it? I do. Oh, excellent. That's excellent. That's very quick. Well Brilliant. done. All right, number 14. Um, is there a memorable character from your hometown that, that that's, um, comes to mind? There's loads of them. Yeah. Yeah, there's there, there, there's loads of them. And uh, I was actually talking about this last night. We, 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 were, we were doing Godot last night in, in Dunleary and we were chatting about this while we were warming up all the names of all these like old uh, characters that are in all these old towns and um, oh, there was one guy whose name I cannot remember I can't like there was names like Skiddly Dooning mm-hmm. and he was called Skiddly because he used to lilt and he's going to Skiddly and then there was like um, there was a guy called I can't remember what he's called but he was called Be Yourself and um, we're not he was called Be Yourself but that's how I remember him my brother my family, my brother had a vegetable stall, so we met all these characters, and I used to work in it all the time. And this man, he was a tortured man, I think, and I never really saw him sober. Um, and he was like, he was older than my dad. My dad knew all these older men, and you know, he was really well spoken and really eloquent. But I would venture to say, and I, ho- I mean do- no disrespect in saying this, I would venture to say that he he barely had an education. Mm. But I, uh, I, there was just something profoundly sad about him, and he used to like speak in kind of, um, kind of grunts or kind. Of, he used to kind of go, <coughs> and uh, that's how he spoke. He'd say, "Excuse me, sir," uh, and he'd tr- he'd buy you know some potatoes off you or whatever, and he'd always say, "And son, <coughs> be yourself," and that was his phrase, wow. and it was beautiful. And I I know I I know really nothing of his family like. My mother would be able to tell you, like, all seed breeding generation of them. But, like, um, yeah, he stuck with me. We were talking about him last night. And we were talking about all these old characters. There's loads of them. Yeah. Maybe they're dying off now. And it's it's funny, when you grow up then, you start hearing these alternative histories of, you know, and they're not always nice, but, like, I kind of, <laughs> I like that. I love that childhood memory of that one particular man. Yeah. Do. I know nothing about him and I want to know nothing about him. Yeah. Know? But there's loads of them. Loads of them, yeah. I know, it's so funny when you think back about those people because it'd be the same. You're Cavan. You're yeah, Cavan. Yeah. yeah, I'm Mead Man. And, like, it, right. it's funny when you think because, like, it's that, it's that thing of, like, just with, like, being an adult now you can look back and you're like, oh, yeah, like, but there's, like, because I have someone in my head, like, for that question, if I was to be asked it, and it's like, yeah, and, and that person, now in hindsight, like, really terrible mental health issues. Do you know what I mean? That's exactly it. But yeah. as a kid, you're, you're like, 
you know they become like stigmatized sort of and yeah. they become like like mad mary that's what like there's someone i'm thinking of exactly, do you know what I mean? and that's yeah. what it is yeah it is uh, I, I, it's so easy then to yeah exactly that to, to stigmatize or people gotta go oh the such and such. like there's loads of them i could name like four or five characters and 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 i'd say somebody from my hometown would probably kind of go oh well that fella didn't i we kind of go but like he didn't know that as a kid or probably maybe not even be true you know mm-hmm. but i kind of i kind of prefer to kind of go he was nice to me he was always very nice to me yeah and he was a, he was very gentle and load oh, they all were yeah know? yeah yeah excellent all right sweet number 18 do you have it i don't no worries number 18 uh, how did you find out the truth about santa Oh, the truth. I was told about it, certainly, and I didn't believe it. Uh, I was told about it in school. I was like, no, my dad knows him. These are all mental. Like, my dad calls him up on the phone. Uh, I think my mum told me, and I burst out crying. And then she went, I'm only joking. So I believed him again. Yeah. So I um, I discovered stuff under the bed. That's how it's going. Okay. Yeah, it was turtles, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny, though. I, I really admire that, like, no, I'm not listening to you. Like, he's... Oh, no, I fully believed. Like, yeah. Until way too late. Yeah. And even when my mum said, kind of, I realise now she's kind of got, right, you're old enough. It was somebody It was somebody in her house kind of said the Santa word and, and, and kind of looked at me. It was a visitor and went, mm, not really. And mum went, I oh, will come on now. Something like that. She said, you don't really believe anymore, do you? And I went, what? No. But no, no, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. And I went, oh well, thank God. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Was no, I completely believed it wasn't a denial. It was absolute belief. It's amazing how we can do that. Like if you want to believe, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like and I mean, an important part of like what we do as but well. My dad used to ring him up on the phone. Like really? he used to kind of go. It was either as a threat or like you know to make sure he got the right thing. You know that, that you know. And my dad knew everybody. He yeah. knew everybody, so it just made sense that he knew. So he was as real to me as. You know, the guys who used to kind of come and knock on the door and say, is your father home? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And what way, so like, um, what in what way, like, did your dad know everyone? He was just like a man about town kind totally, of character? Yeah, yeah, he did everything. He would kind of, yeah, he, he worked on the council for a long time and um, and he, he worked on, with horses and stuff. He did everything. You Like, you name it, he was, um, so everyone knew him and like people would be calling to the house and, yeah, everything. I can't really describe what he did. Yeah, really. yeah. For for yeah, he knew everyone. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one of the like it. it what are you from? Where in? Are you from a small town in Cavan? Uh, yeah, Cavan Town. Okay, was, it's bigger now, but it was certainly small when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah. Really small. Really and do small. do you miss like do you miss that like do you see yourself? Do you see yourself like as someone who will live in Dublin now for the rest of your life, or like do you miss the countryside and that more rural? I love the countryside. Do I you? really do. I. Gr- I grew, the first 10 years was in a town, which was certainly in the 80s, when when you moved out to the country, and we moved out, out to the country, that was like a photograph, and it's negative, it really was, it was, um, and then the city, like I spent the next 10, sorry, I spent 10 years then growing up in the country, and then the next 10 years in the city, and there are three very, very distinct places to live, they're, mm. like, they're not the same, I know people in Dublin think everywhere outside of Dublin's the country, and it's really not, and Town is very different from city, and city is very different from country. But yeah, I love the country, but I do love I do love the small town thing. I love traveling through small towns and um, seeing the. Maybe I'm just getting older and <laughs> nostalgic, but mm. like, yeah, it's it's a different. I love Dublin. I love it. It's it's my favorite city in the world, but like, I do love. I, I don't know if I could live in a small town, but I love going back home. Yeah, and I love seeing the people who are still there and. Um, 
Yeah, I hate seeing it getting bigger, actually. Really? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sweet light. Let's get a spin. Number 33. Do you have it? No. No worries. Number 33. Question is, uh, do you have any unusual unusual fascinations? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> this is stupid. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of zone out when I hear helicopters. I'm fascinated by helicopters uh, to the point where I have to get up and look at it. Like, I'm compelled... I, I, I could be sitting reading a book or doing stuff on my phone or watching a, a television or having a conversation and I'll see I'll hear a helicopter and I have to get up and just go outside and look at it or look out the window I could be in the middle of an argument <laughs> with my wife and she's just come become used to it and kind of I'll, I'll just kind of go yeah yeah and I'll have to go and look at it and then come back and she always went, was it a good one <laughs> like, like yeah it was really, i don't know anything about them I, th- I think i was terrified of them as a kid you see i was like i used to run like there was an army barracks very close to our house and it, they used to all fly over the house these big army helicopters and they terrified me and i'm convinced still that one flew so close to the house that it broke the window it didn't it didn't i'm also convinced by the way that i saw santa uh, a couple of days before christmas fly buy the house and like throw in presents through the window I hallucinated both those things but like I was I used to run for cover under um, uh, so yeah I'm kind of fascinated by them that would be there's probably loads of other things Rory Nolan or Garrett Lombard or Marty Ray would tell you Um, but yeah I'm I'm very unaware of my fascinations but that's one of them I do know have you got to ride in one have you got to what ride in a helicopter I have yeah yeah Twice, yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's just amazing. What's it like? Is it is it really steady? Uh, the, the the first one I did a tour, kind of like in Australia, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing, and the elevation of it and going up sudden that was just like a dream come true. The next one was when I did a flying lesson, and it was a really small one, and it's really kind of unsteady. And I actually just kind of went, I don't want to fly it. I've, I, I kind of gave the controls back to him and I was kind of, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to sit in it. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. They're amazing machines. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sweet, right? This machine's a little more quaint, mind you. Uh, right, number nine. Do you have it? Nope. No worries. Number nine. Uh, in your industry, who is a person you would love to work with? Oh God, there's loads of them. They haven't um, got the chance, to, I suppose, because you've um, got a, you've worked with a lot of amazing people. Yeah, there's loads. Um, who would I like to work with? Like, I'm really lucky that I've gotten to work with a lot of. There's loads of great actors like Fiona Bell. I'd love to work with Declan Conlon. Mm. There's loads of people I'd love to work with again. I don't get it. I've only worked with Don Witcherly properly. He was my hero, like coming out of college. He was like I absolutely idolised him, and I got to work with him soon enough, and it was just like oh, such a pleasure working with him. And I've never. Like he's a good mate now, but like I've never got to work with him since two thousand five, I think, mm. which is a long time. There's loads of them, loads of great actors. We're we're kind of blessed for great actors in this country. Yeah, uh, too many to mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What like what? What is it about? So, so you you know that phrase like never meet your heroes. Obviously, you got to work with one of your mm. heroes. Like, and was it what all you'd hoped it to, to be? Yeah, it was. Um. He, he was he's such a hard worker and I, I admire that so like I admire that over anything so inventive we even when you're not rehearsing you're rehearsing and um, we, we did a, a, the run of that play for I've said this before probably uh, 
that we did that play on and off over five months and he's so inventive and he appreciates inventiveness as well that it was a two-way street that like he'd kind of come up and say i had this idea if you do this and then you do and then i do this and then this thing happens so the play was always alive and we did that play for five months and up until after the last matinee we were still going up to each other and saying didn't quite that get that moment right because you know i think it was a second too late now but i'm going to come in two seconds earlier tonight and da, 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 had this idea you know so that's a joy that's just like instead of like being in a play for five months and kind of going that's it and sitting there with something stale yeah that's amazing yeah that, and everything's everything's an option everything's thrown out uh you know thrown up there for consideration like that's just pure artistry it's great yeah, yeah. Because I, like I was saying to you when we were walking in here uh, about listening to the podcast that you've done with, with Angus, mm. um, which is such an amazing resource, all them you know, episodes that are there. Yeah. I was listening to it in my last year of drama school and like, um, and I really remember because I was in the middle, I went to DIT, did, did the three oh, years yes, there. Yeah, yeah. But we also do a thesis, like it, it's very performance based, but there is a thesis element of it because it's a, you know, a level eight or whatever. And uh, it was during that and I remember it so well because I was at home in Dunboy and I was living at home. I remember like, just needed to get away from the books and it was a gorgeous day it was in it was probably around this time of year possibly or maybe it, uh, anyway whenever it was and I remember walking around and I was in the country I'd listen to it and like the amount of stuff from it Aaron that like resonated and kind of what what you're saying there like the one there was there's a couple of things and one thing I, I remembered that you said uh, and it was uh, sorry to be quoting you now um, but it was uh, about like the one person in the audience who like needs the show yeah. every every time you know yeah. Like that, that's, a, that was like, I mean, it's, it's, it's very simple, but it, it's powerful. Well, like not that actors get up in the morning, but that's what gets you up in the morning. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you know, we're heading off to do Godo for eight shows a week for the next seven weeks. That's a tough prospect. And sometimes you just kind of go that, that kind of goes, that gets you on stage, you know, that kind of goes, okay. It's, it's just something good to focus on. You know, mm -hmm. it's like when you're running, I'm not a great runner. But I can run forever if I just kind of go, I'm going to go to that next lamppost. I'm going to go to that next park bench. So that's that's what gets you through sometimes, you know. Um, but it is important because we we probably both were those kids who kind of went, I really need this show now. I just really need to kind of, I need to have this headspace. Or or, the, or maybe you didn't need it, but you come out of the theatre fundamentally different mm. or changed because of something you saw on stage and you kind of went I, I suddenly need to be part of that now or I need to live up to I don't know there's part of me kind of goes I think maybe that's maybe why I talk about Don a lot when I was in college I, I saw a lot of things that he was in that were very formative for me um, like as a kid who knew nothing about theatre had no experience in theatre and was suddenly thrown into this very intense training and I remember kind of going through some quite big changes both in college but seeing shows particularly ones that he was in and I remember kind of going you have to live up to this now because that's an art form that is kind of transformative for people mm. I mean you know it's also I have this argument with people all the time there is room for Brendan O'Carroll and Brendan O'Carroll like it's so easy to to, to diss him you know uh, my mother loves him I love to hear my mother's laughter and I kind of go, he's there for a reason. So theatre is also entertainment and we must never forget that. But it does kind of not change lives or save lives, but it does do something as well. And so somewhere between just giving people a laugh um, and that's what Don does as well. Mm. He's always out for kind of giving people a good time um, and, and just having something that might be just kind of, I don't know, 
transcendent. You're looking for that transcendent moment in your work all the time. Yeah. And then you have to kind of just throw it away as well. I'm going to go, that's it, done. Now, tonight's done. I could be crap tomorrow. Or even if you were crap last night, you kind of go, I get the chance to be a little bit better tomorrow. Yeah. So it's kind of a magic thing, isn't it? That was the other thing that, that, that was the other main thing. And that was, I remembered that you'd said that thing about the one person and that stuck with me. And I've, I think about that sometimes because like we've, ha- we've all had that in like middle of a run and you're like, fuck, yeah, Jesus, another two today or whatever it might be. And like, um, but then with um, the other thing that you said that I thought was really, uh, and I, I don't know had it struck me yet because I would listen to that and it would have been in my just coming into my third year of drama school for so final year and it was about that like kind of I think along the lines of, like I think trusting the moment I'm kind of paraphrasing now but like as in talking about how you know you're playing the actions of something and how it doesn't have to be the same and like we were talking about with Don like that negotiation of it, yeah. it's that second quicker two seconds later whatever it might be yeah. and just like how it's different you know it's it, it's all within the play and you know, all within what you're doing but it, it's different every time and like that's kind of the only way to true consistency oh, absolutely. in a weird way. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, the the repetition of it. And I suppose there's something about the repetition, like it's, just think about like filtering all this now through God, because we're doing it at the moment. Like we've done that a lot. So I know, I know the lads are going to be there if I try something different. They're going to be ready. They know what the next line is. They know what the next move is. Um, but also there's something about delivering something the same way every night. I don't believe it because... I kind of go, I did that, I f- that's, you know, if I'm saying a line in a particular way, I don't believe it. Um, Sorry, if I say a line in a particular way with a particular inflection or uh, emphasis or something, then I'm repeating something that's kind of, it's like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. So it's not real anymore. Mm. So I, I might deliver it the same way as long as the impulse for saying it is believed every time mm-hmm. and I have to believe that so I'm, I'm always uh, uh, these are tiny little things you know they're tiny micro impulses micro impulses but I have to believe everything I say I meant that's what it is and that's what intention is it's intention I mean this thing to happen or I intend for this thing to happen or I intend for that effect to be happening on the other actor um, but as long as I believe it then I kind of feel it's real, mm. um, and th- and it's not to go out and change things, but because you're trying to mean it every time, it just naturally changes over the course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think. And sometimes I do. I'm <laughs> kind of contradict myself. Sometimes I do change things deliberately to break a habit if I feel like I fall into that pattern of delivery, or I'm becoming too reliant on that rhythm, or I'm becoming too reliant on that. Um, laugh sometimes you kind of go throw that away you know and you know, see what's different in it yeah yeah <laughs> I yeah i know it, it's so true uh, one of the other things about it was um yeah because I, I guess well, that was that probably th- that would be like three years ago maybe that you had that chat i'd imagine with angus yeah oh, probably more is it four or five i'd say yeah uh, like uh, what like what what have, what have been the big changes do you think for you in like terms of your perspective on the craft and like y- your place within it Brilliant question um not a huge amount. I think I, I feel a, a lot... Some things have definitely changed. I feel re, more reaffirmed about everything I would have said then, to be honest, or a lot of what I said in terms of how I think about things. Uh, a lot of what I've changed, I, I I try not to be... Certainly when Angus was interviewing me, I think I was... I think I would have been in a, a place where I was very judgmental. 
on everything. Mm. Just like, you know, um, strong opinions and stuff. And I kind of don't now. I kind of go, I, I st- obviously still have strong opinions about things, but I kind of, uh, yeah, I, I kind of realize that there's room for everything. And I think there's something, I've become less rigorous about things, even though I've be kind of become more insistent on some of my opinions. So, um, uh, I suppose I'm more more talking about my process and about you know I suppose w- when Angus was interview- interviewing me, there was a there was a point where that was at a point where a lot of people were writing plays and 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 making their own work, and I didn't quite understand that at the time. So I was kind of going those. I'd say if I'm really really honest, it was part of me kind of going. What qualifies actors to write plays? What qualifies actors to direct? What qualifies actors to teach? What qualifies teachers to, you know, write or all these things? I was kind of going, I'd come off the back of working on things like the Tom Murphy plays. Uh, like there's no one who can t- touch Tom Murphy. He's yeah. he's a writer. Yeah, He's an incredible writer. Um, and so the idea that kind of going, because those plays and th- that experience and theatre in general means so much to you kind of go if people I kind of felt this thing of people aren't qualified to do mm. these things actors are only qualified to act that's me being really honest mm. about something that was happening at the time that I just didn't understand and now I'm kind of going completely the opposite I'm kind of going these are we're just people we're just humans doing trying to express sometimes you don't get the opportunity to express it in acting and actually, I kind of feel like that mindset that I would have had then, that actually would have held back my expression as an actor. Kind of going, I'm just a ch- channel, I'm just a vessel th- for the play or the director's vision to work through. I'm kind of going, fuck that. That's like, we have to bring our opinions to these parts. We have to express. And that's a new thought that I'm kind of, so that's something that's changed in me. Um, You have to kind of express uh, who you are as a person, uh, which is, which is what a lot of the actors who were writing plays at the time that that's the way that's the way that's what I was seeing happening do you know what I mean mm. or a lot of um, I suppose a lot of young kind of artists coming out and kind of going we don't do plays we do uh, I don't know I don't know what you call them we do kind of pieces of theatre yeah so that was so kind of uh, also different to what I kind of would have understood and I certainly and it didn't thrill me either I'll be really honest yeah, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't something I could connect with, but I kind of go, oh, I get that now. Like, it's kind of like actors kind of, at that time when Angus was interviewing me, there was no money. So mm-hmm. like young actors coming out of college and they kind of are full of expression and they're full of wanting to kind of say something and they're not getting the opportunities because they're not getting work and people aren't giving them jobs. So they're going to go, fuck this, I'm going to write my own story. And that's fucking amazing. That's That's brilliant. So I've kind of, that's changed for me a lot. Uh, and I think it's really important to kind of go, as an artist, I write privately a lot now. Uh, like I write in journals, but I also kind of write stories in my head. And I kind of, you know, there's, we're part of the Druid Ensemble. I'm part of the Druid Ensemble and all the Godo cast are. And as part of that, we're, we're brought in to kind of talk about plays a lot and to read plays and um there's part of me, I suppose, five years ago, I, I would have thought very, very naively, kind of gone, sure, what would I have, what, 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 what would I have that would have qualified me to read a play and report back to it an opinion to Druid, who's one of the best theatre companies in the country. Um, 
And at the time, I'd say since Angus' thing as well, I've I've done a lot of workshops and I've done a sort of, I wouldn't say teaching, but like there's part of me kind of going, what would have qualified me very naively to get in and stand in front of a group of people and do a workshop? That's such a naive thing in my head now. Um, I kind of go, there's experience there. You know, I'm not teaching anybody. I'm just kind of going in and telling people my experience so mm. far, or what I think of a certain thing. Um, so yeah, that's changed. I would have had actors act, writers write, directors direct. Yeah, and it's just changed for me now. Really and and what was the thing that, that that caused the shift or helped with the shift? Um, a lot of it was kind of I think at that time kind of um, I realized I suppose that's the thing. I think I would have felt quite closed in as an actor. I was kind of going. There was a point where it's kind of going. I wanted to do more, but I was kind of going. All I can do is act, and I wanted. To, I felt very. It was a narrow scope for me um, and I was looking over at a fence at, a, at this kind of new world of like kind of people who had, uh, were doing lots of different things and I kind of went I don't feel they're fully committed to doing any one thing or I, I didn't feel that I don't know it was it was a weird one and I remember having a chat with Claire and saying I think I need to stop acting for about six months um, because I, I don't know if I have the passion for it if if what's coming up behind is what I felt people spreading themselves too thin and I kind of also felt like it's not lack it, it fe I felt it was lacklustre mm. uh, especially coming off the back of big cycles like the Shakespeare's or, or the Tom Murphy plays where you're just giving your all and it was a a hugely exhausting experience as it should be and I was kind of going it all just felt like a bit cool and a bit casual and I was kind of going well if that's the future of theatre then I think I need a break from it a little while so and I remember having this uh, chat with Claire and she went you're not qualified to do anything else I really wanted to work in an office just to kind of go I want to turn off I want to I want to go home at six o'clock every day and, and not carry my work with me uh, and not be thinking about my work all the time and not be thinking about the future of my work or mm. the industry that I work in um, I just needed a break from it, I guess. Um, and I remember she kind of went, because I was kind of going, because I can't do this acting thing and, and not be angry or exhausted or, you know, um, have some sort of, not terribly negative, but certainly some sort of negative feelings about it. And I went, I need to do something else just for a little bit, just to kind of uh, find my way back into it. And she went, you're not qualified. You're like, and she was doing some temping job at the, at the time. And I said, I want to do what you do. Like, she'd come home from work and I'd say what did you do today and she went I don't want to talk about it I was like no no but what did you do did you do filing this was the most fascinating thing to me yeah. did you like type things up did you photocopy things I was like I would love to do that and she she hated so much she couldn't talk about it and I went that's what I want to do and she went <laughs> so depressing when she said it she went you're not qualified to do that you've no experience uh, in the last 15 years so I went so for the last 15 years I've been acting uh, or doing this and now I can't get out of it so what changed for me was I was kind of going I guess what I need to do is I need to do something that scares me and and as she said it has to be something within your own skill set mm. so the only skill set that I had was acting mm. and theatre so I remember kind of going I took a real big plunge and I was terrified but I said I'll do some workshops because I was talking to Brian Burroughs my best mate at the time a lot and um, and I kind of went, the most terrifying thing was getting into a group of strangers and kind of going, this is what I think. I'm working on plays and asking questions. 
And I found that so thrilling and I found it so liberating and it changed my mind about lots of things. Uh, it's a, it reaffirmed a lot of things for me, but like it kind of got me back into um, my own process, like really asking questions about the work and um, really asking questions about my own, you know, physicality and my own process and stuff like that. So that's a very long winded answer, but it, it, all that happened around the same time. Mm. And I'm sure there'll be another kind of change in a couple of years as well. But like a lot of things have changed while still remaining fundamentally the same. Yeah, what's interesting about it though is that you've been a part like as a director, which I know is, I think is something That's the other thing, yeah. relatively new for you. Mm. But like, is it and like with a lot of new work and new writing? Obviously, yeah. Charlie's a klepto and the bitter like a lemon show on the fringe. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know which is like and how like so how is how you know it's probably such an obvious question, but I am interested. Like, how is it being on the other side of the table, so to speak, and you know, because you've obviously been in the rehearsal room and that person with your script in hand on first day and like, how do you make this this work? But being on the other side of that, how illuminating has it been? It's it's exactly the same. It's, it's I, I love it. I really do love it. Um, uh, when you're, when you're going in on the first day of rehearsals as an actor, you're going in as part of a collaborate, as a collaboration or as part of an ensemble, you're kind of going, loads of ideas that I want to bring but I, I like uh, in the first day of rehearsals I always kind of go what's the set going to be like because that's going to tell me a lot about how I'm going to do this play and mm -hmm. um, what are the other people going to how are they going to read it how are they going to do it what are the costumes going to be like like you can kind of go you can have loads of ideas about your character which is brilliant but then you go in the first day of rehearsals you discover that oh they're in a wheelchair now or you know there's going to be a big rake so I can't have a wheelchair or mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. so that's brilliant you kind of uh you've loads of ideas so you want to work with the designers and you want to work with the other actors and you want to see what the other people are doing and all you're ever doing is bouncing off that and reacting off that that's what actors do react and i don't think i do anything different as a director i i i want to see what the other people do i'm very i'm very stringent in some ways in that like i have to understand every beat of the story so particularly with the new play i'll i'll really hammer it with with the writer i'll kind of go i have to i don't quite believe that line and I'll, I'll 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 fight with them and i'll always say fight me fight me on it um so i'll want to cut a lot or i want to nip and tuck or i'll want to at least push them a bit and see if they'll kind of explain it to me so that i'm 100 percent uh aware of the material i'm working on and then I leave the designing to designers. I might have loads of ideas about how things work, but that usually kind of comes halfway through the process. Um, but what I think I want to do is, it's like I was saying about as an actor, what, what I feel I, I as a director want to do is, once the story and once the script is firm and I'm happy with that and I understand it, like word for word and line for line, my job now is to get the actors to deliver that mm -hmm. as best as possible in as clear a way as possible. And I have to, I have to believe every word they say. Um, and so I work with the actors in terms of their performance. And I will say things like, I, I don't quite believe you. If, if, if you take that pause or if you, if you don't, if I don't see you land that line, or if I don't see that, that, that line land within you, I don't believe what you say next. So we'll work quite, um, in I don't know, quite, uh, I don't know. I'm quite hard on the actors, mm. but not, 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 not 
to be a bastard, but just I have to believe it. I have to kind of go to the point where I kind of going, oh yeah, you're doing that now, and I I totally bought it. I go want to go to the place where I kind of go, I've nothing to say because I completely got wrapped up in that thing that you guys were doing. So that's that's what I spend my time. I don't I don't know. It's the same thing. Like for me, when I'm an actor on stage, I want to believe what I'm doing, and I want to believe what the other person is doing. Yeah. So it's exactly the same process for me. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, and hopefully have a good team behind me of designers and stuff like that and producers who will do all the things that I don't really know how to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> dead, dead. No, that was great. That was great. <laughs> all right, sweet. Uh, number 38. Do you have it? Yes. Oh, not, you're doing well. You see, I'm nah, getting you talking. That's the nah, trick, you that's see. That's the thing, yeah. So, uh, all right, number... It's too late. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you had a tattoo, if you had to get a tattoo, what would you get? Oh, I know this one. It's really boring. Okay. Um, I would get, I would get my dad's signature. Um, my, my oh god, I hate it. <laughs> uh, my dad passed away. It feels like such a sob story because yeah, I yeah. do this all the. You know, your family come up in interviews all the time, and so you gotta. Um, my my dad passed away when I was twenty two, and um, he 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 couldn't read or write, um, for most of his adult life, and. Uh, I think he was 56 when he died and maybe in his very late 40s early 50s he started going to adult learning classes mm. and uh, he, he learned to write his name Wow! and he learned to like just like I remember as a kid you know when he was bringing my mum in a, a birthday card or a valentine's card or a Christmas card he used to have to get us to write it for me and like I love that memory I, mean, I think it's fucking heartbreaking now when I think about it Yeah. but um, he he learned to write you know um to Elizabeth, I love you, John. Um, and I, I love his signature. It's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's like it's kind of half scrawl and half beautiful old style joined up writing. So wow. I get his, I get his signature, uh, tattooed. I have it somewhere, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it at some point. I can't figure out where. Yeah. I don't know where. Yeah. Well, well, some that's that that's the only thing I think of. Yeah. That's an amazing answer. Yeah. All right, sweet number three. Do you have it? Number three, uh, tell us about a memory that uh, still makes you laugh. Oh, something when you think about. <laughs> something that still makes me laugh. Um, Doesn't have to be a good story. Something from when you're a kid, even you know one of them. Um, oh God, I, I I have to come back to that. Maybe it's it's probably something that. Oh yeah, okay. This is a stupid one. Yeah, they always are. <laughs> yeah. Um, mostly, Claire always slags me for this. But most of the things that make me laugh are Rory Nolan related. Okay. Like one of the funniest men I know, and I spend a lot of time with him as a druid. But the, like, there are lots of times where we spend, you know, in the company of Gareth, Marty, myself, and Rory. Um, it sounds like a boys' club. It's not. We're just doing God up. That's <laughs> it. And we end up in a hotel room, you know, having a beer or whatever. And all you do is wind up Rory and let him go. But there was one time when we were doing the Murphys and it was early on for the four of us to be working together. And we we were all, uh, we were in Oxford coming home, <laughs> um, hung over after this very long tour. And we were all quite hung over and just a bit giddy. And there was <laughs> we were on a bus going to like Birmingham from Oxford to Birmingham. And and he got these cherry bakewell tarts. <laughs> this is stupid. And he was just kind of, he was just been an idiot. He was just kind of like saying, I couldn't even tell you the stuff he was saying, but like he put these cherry bakewell tarts, and you know the way they have these like little, ch they're white, and they have the like 
uh, crust on the outside and this white icing on the inside and these little red cherries yeah. inside. So they looked like like eyes, like really ridiculous clown eyes. And he put them up and he was just kind of going, la, 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 la. Like stupid, stupid, infantile, infantile stuff. But it was just a hilarious journey. And that was the crowning moment of it for me. It was like, you know that laughter where you can't, you're coughing yeah. because you can't breathe so much. Um, and there was just a load of pe people were just taking pictures. So I have four pictures of that bus ride and I have them up in my office and they're all, like, I just put them all together and whenever, like sometimes Claire, <laughs> sometimes Claire hears me laughing and she goes, why are you laughing? Oh, Rory, because <laughs> I'm looking at those pictures. So yeah. that's what makes me laugh. There's loads of them, but like that's, I've had, I don't have a great memory by the way. Yeah. That's amazing. No, because when Claire, Claire did this podcast, she was talking about the, the wedding or whatever and, and, um, she like I think that's the way she described. Oh, she said like we like won weddings, and I was like, yeah, what like what what happened? And she was just like, and I've never met Rory, but she was yeah. like, Rory, Rory did it. Like Rory did the wedding. Yeah, and like and she was like that 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 for her was like that's how good it was. That, <laughs> yeah, like there's part of me, it's part of like Brian would be one of my best friends, and Rory would be one of my best friends. They're 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 chalk and cheese. Brian is very diligent, and he's like the loveliest man you'll ever meet, and he's. Always very uh, caring and considerate and careful of what he says. You know, he's very, you know, you know, he's always very considerate of people and what they might be going through, you know. So, mm. and sometimes I kind of go, God, maybe he's a bit, little bit too considerate. Of then Rory's the complete opposite. He's not un inconsiderate, but he's just liable to say anything. So I knew I wanted the two of them as my best man because I knew Brian had been writing a speech since I met him, probably. Mm. Uh, like, that's not a lie. Like, he had, and he, like he's just this great orator and brilliant. It's terrible. He's kind of had to deliver loads of like um, eulogies lately. It's mm -hmm. terrible, but like he he's amazing. He's just a brilliant person who's able to put these great uh, speeches and thoughts together. So I went. That's going to be very funny, and it's going to be very well thought out, and it's going to be uh, hilarious. Um, but I also wanted a bit of anarchy, so I I as I decided to give Rory a a a, a mic and just say whatever you want and introduce everybody and like it was brilliant and there was this brilliant thing that like this is another thing that makes me laugh when I think about it um, if, if you ever look up YouTube uh, look up Les Dawson doing feelings um, and it's just it's genius it's kind of like he, he sings feelings nothing more than feelings this old 70s song yeah. in uh a love story, I think that's, that's the movie he came from. And then he goes up on the pitch, he goes, Oh, teardrops, oh, they're rolling down on my face. And then when it gets up to the big things, he goes perfectly off key. He goes, Feelings! Whoa! It's amazing, right? So when the four of us, the Fogado lads, are together, we'd be watching stupid YouTube videos of Les Dawson. And that would be the one that gets us rolling around the floor laughing. And Rory, having given him this God mic, decided in his head, he was like, will I do this? Will I will I do Les Dawson doing feelings? Um, and he went up to Gareth and Marty and they both went, obviously, <laughs> knowing that it was going to bomb. And they went, so he did the entire, and because he's such commitment to comedy, he did the entire thing. There was like 150 people at our wedding, half of them kind of going, what the fuck is he doing? 
and only four of us in the room got the joke. <laughs> Myself, Marty, Rory and, and, and Garrett. And we were, I was kind of going, I can't believe he's doing it and he has to keep up. And it went down like a bag of sick. It went down <laughs> like a butt, like it was one of the favourite moments ever wow. that's, yeah Rory's most of my happy memories <laughs> Jesus that's amazing I'm sure there's other ones that have a terrible memory I'm sorry yeah, no that's amazing oh, that's brilliant alright sweet uh, okay number 60 do you have it nope alright um, in terms of artistic creation what drives you to do what you do terms of artistic creation define artistic creation well, I mean it was interesting what you were saying earlier about like y- y- the evolution for you of like w- how you think about your creativity and acting and how before like y- I think you used the word vessel like for like mm. someone else's vision mm. so like now with this like newer like approach I guess like a completely valid answer to me would be like you know it's that one person out there that needs it like that's yes. why I do it so I guess like I mean you do loads of things now but like mm. uh, you know as an actor is what I've seen you most and what I'd know you best for like what what's the thing that like makes you keep coming back uh, I love it I really do and I don't feel there's anything else I'm supposed to be doing mm. Um, like that might change I might evolve into a different thing but like uh, I, I, I really love what I do mm. Um, and I like as much as I'm kind of talking, you know, we're talking about all those other new ways of creating theatre, um, there's part of me kind of goes, that'll evolve into something else, I think. But uh, what I don't think is ever going to evolve is that somebody decides to create a story and actors get up and do it. Um, I know I know, there's lots of different types of theatre now and there's kind of... Uh, well, there's, I don't know, there's documentary theatre, there's you know, loads of different things. Yeah. Um, but fundamentally, the more I read and the more I discover about things, I, I just feel that we as human beings, and it's 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 unique to us as animals, we have this thing, we can create fictions, and we have this need to tell stories. Um, we just need to do that. And I love that there are certain writers who are really good at writing stories and writing brilliant characters, and I love playing them. Mm-hmm. So... I love doing that. Mm. I really do. I, like, as, yeah, that's a, exactly as valid an answer as kind of saying there's somebody out there who needs it. But like, for me personally, I love doing what I'm doing. I love getting lost in parts. I love telling a story. I just do because I love hearing stories, you know. Mm-hmm. And when you get a great character and getting to terms with that, like whether it's the research you're doing in it leading up to it or the discovery and rehearsals and stuff like that or whether it's the like constant evolution of it over the course of a of a month long run or a two year run or something like that like that's that's really magic yeah that, like that that is magic it's alchemy it's people go into a theater and kind of go i'm going to pretend that i don't know what i know here now mm. which is the lights are going to go down and this thing didn't actually happen and that person's not actually that person but i'm going to pretend i don't know that yeah and we as actors we do exactly the same. We're going to go, we're going to pretend that there's people out there even though we're doing it for you out there. Yeah. And we're going to sometimes t- pretend that you're our best friends and talk directly to you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to pretend that these are our actual clothes and this is how I'm actually feeling. And it's, I mean, you kind of buy into it. It's mm. amazing. Mm. And some somewhere in that, like just there's a meeting of minds and imagination and something magic happens. And yeah. we forget like the world for a couple of hours. That's, that's I'm as much as theatre may evolve and change it's the same as reading a book it's the same as watching a movie 
that's never going to change. Mm. We need, we need to, f- we need to tell stories. We need to listen to them and hear them and see them. Yeah, mm. and wh- just from talking to you today, correct me if I'm wrong. Like it feels like you have a lot of reverence for the writer and the writing. Like for you, is that the most important part of like the building block to make you know a really good thing, really good play? Like how much of a premium do you put on? The quality of the writing huge. Look, I w- I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's the most important, but I am hugely hugely reverential of writers. I suppose that w- w- what I'm saying is that I don't know if everyone can do it, but I also that's how I would have felt years ago. But I also feel like no one should be denied the privilege of being allowed to either. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's allowed to express their own stories, but you know, there's a reason we're all not published, and there's a reason we're, we all aren't haven't got bestsellers or plays on or national theater all the time because there are various standards of it but when you come across really good writing then it has to be uh, respected and revered um i suppose that's where i would have been five years ago i was going to go only great writers should be kind of you know the w- didn't actually believe that but that's kind of that was something in the back of my head you know mm. if i was really lucky i got to work with great writers like Murphy, while he was still alive, I got to work on Sing. I was doing loads of Shakespeare, and I was working at a really top level with like a brilliant director in Gary Hines mm. and other people as well. I was working with Freel, you know, on Freel plays while he was still alive. And you're kind of going, it's hard then to kind of see mediocre plays that aren't quite as well wrought. And you know, I, I love that that the fact that playwright is P L A Y W R I G H T because they're rot. Do you know what I mean? W R O U G H T. Um, they're forged. They're formed. You know, and um, so y- you see someone like Tom Murphy who kind of, you know, stops you after the first line and says, "You didn't observe the three dots there. I need you to, and you didn't get that sound right." You kind of go, "Oh, this man has put like years of thought into writing this play," and he has. When you hear when you hear him talk about like. Um, when you hear him talk about like being angry, he's writing through the night and he's angry at the day for arriving because it's over now, you know, mm. and he can't continue. Uh, I'm misquoting that terribly, but like you kind of go, fuck, that's that's dedication. That's that's real kind of going into the darkness. That's real kind of going into the, you know, um, dark night of the soul territory and so it's hard then when you come across someone else kind of goes I have this idea for a play um, of the first draft written I'm going to write the second draft I'll get it to you in two days you know you kind of go that's a that's a big adjustment for me I kind of go yeah. okay I, 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 it, it, it's hard for me to kind of go from that to, to that and kind of so that's where I have the, a huge reverence for it but at the same time I wouldn't say that, that the most important part I mean look the audience is the most important part at the end of the day. It mm. really is, you know. Mm-hmm. They have to get the story. They have to understand it. Um, and there's times I kind of go, the actor is the most important part because if the actor isn't on stage, then the words aren't heard by the audience who need to hear them. So, look, I don't think there is a most important part, but, um, yeah, I have a huge reference for the writer, yeah. Mm. In terms of, like, because like, that's incredible to, you know, as you said, had the opportunity to work with Freel and Murphy. In terms of, like, not even necessarily like newer writers, but in terms of like you know, like Marina Carr, Conor McPherson, Marco mm-hmm. Rowe, all mm-hmm. all these guys who would guess be like the next generation, maybe a couple of generations. Like, um, have you had the chance to like? Have you had the chance to do any of that kind of new, yeah, new writing? Like, what's 
because they're they're that I love. I mean, McPherson, for example, is my favorite playwright. Mm. I I absolutely like mm. adore McPherson. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, and it's like, but then I mean, first time I saw. Uh, the Gili concert was in the gate recently enough with um, right, yeah. Dennis and Declan version yeah. of it, and it was just like, for me, I was just like, oh my god, what is yeah. this? Extraordinary, isn't it? Kind yeah. of extraordinary. Yeah, like. um, yeah. I, I I worked with Marina on her um, play about Chekhov, and that was brilliant because mm. I've been a huge fan of her. Yeah. Um, for years, like I remember before I went into college, like uh, the week before, someone gave me a book of her first plays and I read them all and what was really I, I knew she was from the Midlands but the language that she was using I was kind of going this is like Cavan and it w I was so relieved actually I was kind of going theatre can be about me it can be about you know and I was going yeah. into this place called Trinity and it all sounded very English and and it was you know a lot of it, it was very English model uh, based of uh, training I suppose I'm mm. sorry my words are all over the place mm. Um but I remember kind of going, that was amazing. And then getting to work with her on um, 16 Possible Glimpses was brilliant. And then Mark did the edit for um, Shakespeare's and it wasn't his words, but he kind of forged them all. And he kind of, he wrote new lines and kind of cut them and it, that was amazing as well. And mm. uh, yeah, it was brilliant having access to that. Like, But like, I'd, I'd revere their words as much as I would Tom Murphy's because I know, I know they're sitting down, like Mark gets up Every morning, I've like uh, I love talking to writers. I love it. Pat mm. McCabe is one of my favorite ones. Mm. I can't believe I've access to him. Like I can email him or ring him or text him, whatever. And I can. I, I'm always a little bit like having a conversation, a casual conversation with someone like Pat or Mark over a cup of coffee. And I'll always kind of go, so "What's your writing process like?" You know. And I, it kind of feels I, I feel it, uh, like I'm betraying some sort of relationship I have with them, but like. They both say, like, Mark gets up in the morning, as far as I know, and, and writes. He'll be dreaming about stuff, and he'll write. And then he'll go, and he'll kind of organise his day. You know, there's school and kids and all that stuff. And then he'll go to a cafe, and he'll write it all out. And he'll do a couple of hours' work, I think. And, you know, that's every day. Mm. And the, all writers say that. Every day. Yeah. Um, Pat's the same. He kind of, and you know, remember him saying about, you know, uh, young writers and they're saying oh I can't sit at the wall I can't stare at that blank wall and he's kind of going that's your job you sit at that desk and look at that wall and he does it every morning um, and then he kind of can't do it up until a certain amount of hours as far as I know look I'm quoting conversations I've had with him in private mm. um, and then might go off to the cinema to clear his head or to kind of you know free up his head for other stuff mm. but that's the common thing they do it every day yeah you know um that's that's extraordinary like you know we as actors don't often get to do that no yeah the directors I know. don't get to do that either so yeah yeah it's a fascinating and in terms of like because i relate to that feeling um i said to you that about mcpherson for me i was one of them times where i felt that like you said when you read those marina car plays you're like oh shit this is how people talk and like and mm. I, I know i know these people i know how, how these sounds are made like with mcpherson i had a similar thing um in college and I was reading I was like oh fuck I've had these like thoughts and just that feeling of being yeah. seen for me I think that's why I love the theatre and I love storytelling yeah. it's like the feeling of like being seen like and like seeing yourself and like in other characters and like the fact that a writer can make you feel seen what is it for you what's the thing that you look for when you you, you go and you hope you provide to people when they come see you oh maybe not to be seen <laughs> um, do you mean being represented is that what you mean like kind of like you're you're how you think and feel 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah like I remember, I, I, what one of the plays was one of McPherson's like early plays, like probably written yeah. when he was like around my age, like his monologue plays. And I remember like just the way the character talked, and he was, I think he was saying like, I can't, remember, I honestly can't remember what it was, but what he was, was saying, they weren't like nice thoughts. Like in fact, they they were probably quite bad thoughts. But I was like, fuck yeah, I, like I've thought that, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. it, and it, it was, it was like that it was kind of a different kind of relief to what you're talking about. But it was like a relief of being like, yeah, it was just like. I'm, you know, the thing of like, I'm not the only one. Yes, I'm yeah, not the only one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that about theatre. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel very comforted by that, knowing knowing that that's out there. I suppose when when if people come and see me, I, I kind of hope that they, believed most of what I was saying and doing, that I f- I hope they felt that like, what I felt and what I said and what I thought were connected and, and real. I hope they kind of went, even if they didn't, even if they didn't kind of go, well, that's not how I would have done it, that they would have kind of gone, well, he meant it. Mm. That, that's And I hope like, maybe that there's a little bit of me left behind on the stage. Like, I just kind of feel that there should be a bit of blood or something like that, or mm. a little bit of, a bit of flesh or something left behind that you kind of gave something of yourself. Um. That That's, yeah, I think, that that's where I feel I've done my job. Then, mm. um, I don't often feel that I've done that. But like, if somebody believes that, then I kind of go, "Cool, that's all right." Yeah. But yeah, um, I hope they. I hope I've disappeared a little bit as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That they've kind of. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that you've exposed yourself in a true way that feels connected and believable and heartfelt. And that you're representation of the character was sustained enough that they didn't see me mm. yeah. whatever the feck I am yeah yeah yeah, yeah. interesting love it alright we'll do one more Oop. and I think that's us alright sweet uh, number 19 do you have it? I don't alright uh, no worries oh kind of interesting one to end on have you or do you ever consider emigrating? oh no no I, I haven't I, I've had loads of <laughs> had loads of people tell me to kind of go you have to move to America. You have to do this, like especially when you're in, in America and and London as well. And I've had the opportunity a few times, and and I I couldn't. I just couldn't. I was mm. like, I'd miss home too much. Um, so to say that I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think I'd emigrate, but I'd certainly work in other countries. And mm. um, but like I spend so much time away that it's not really consideration at the moment. Um, there's a possibility maybe you know when I kind of get this year over with that I'll start thinking about kind of going maybe I'll go over to London for a while maybe I'll go over to New York or something like that mm. but um, no I love Ireland I really love it um, I think I think years ago when I had the opportunity uh, like a really good opportunity to kind of uh, go to LA and I had a really good agent lined up if I wanted it and and I just kind of couldn't I felt too much of a responsibility to stay at home to my family mm. and to like friends and relationships and stuff and um, I don't feel that as much because my family even though I'm nearly the youngest my family have all kind of grown up and um, yeah it's it's easier now the world's gotten a little bit smaller I don't feel I wouldn't feel the guilt as much and also uh, you know with Claire I kind of I'd be doing that with her so mm-hmm. you know if the opportunity came up yeah maybe um but it, it's so funny I can't really even think beyond this year at the moment I really can't mm. there's stuff like 
agent was on the phone like last week talking about like this thing happening, this thing happening. I'm going, I, I really can't even entertain that right now um, until I get another couple of months over. Yeah. Because um, it's, it's, it's fairly intense this year. Um, and uh, maybe maybe around August I'll start thinking about next year. Yeah. About and that could be on the cards. I know Claire mentioned that she was talking about like kind of courting that possibility of going to London or something like that. Mm. Um so we'll see yeah, yeah. it's in, yeah and like wh- but how do you find that then like on these when you're away touring like with the the Goddard lads or whatever and like you know I don't know how long the stretches are but like it must be tricky with like Claire and just like you know just literally missing each other yeah, it's hard that's tough it's hard well even at the moment like touch wood like Claire's really busy and even though we're we're touring at home now you spend so much time travelling to venues and um I'm preparing for stuff I'm doing later on in the year. So I'm doing like loads of reading and loads of writing and stuff like that. And um, you're preparing for a couple of plays and stuff that I might like direct later on in the year and you're trying to adapt things. So it feels like every hour is taken up mm. and you're trying to kind of go, look, I've got my gym bag there. I mean, kind of going, trying to maintain some level of fitness and do a bit of training because I think that's really important for me physically and mentally as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so even when I'm at home, you're st- still trying to do that. So sometimes we're like ships in the night. But um, being away is really tough. Like uh, Christmas was tough. I was away doing a load of stands in Princeton and I got home for Christmas for 48 hours, which was brilliant. But it was exhausting at the same time. Yeah. And it was tough. It's tough. It's tough leaving. It's tough packing a bag and saying goodbye to someone. And, you know, um, uh, I'm... By the time Claire's filming today, so by the time she gets home tonight, I'll be gone. So I had to kiss her goodbye this morning, you mm. know. Um, uh, I don't get to see my mum as often as I'd love to. Um, that's tough because she can't always, she certainly can't travel. You know, she doesn't like flying and stuff. So she, Claire can come over and see me. But you're you're trying to organise, you know, I'm, I'm looking at seven weeks in America now. Look, it all sounds so negative. I'm so, so grateful for all this. Uh and I know there's a hundred actors out there screaming, oh, I would love to be in your shoes. Yeah. And I, I absolutely appreciate that. Um, but uh, yeah, seven weeks away, Claire is trying to kind of going to come over at some point and we're trying to kind of go to break it up. Like Rory's got two kids and, mm. you know, he's got a wife as well, you know, and that's really tough. Yeah. So you have to kind of, it's going to a really uh, funny place where you, you d- you break up the time you dig- you you occupy your time very strategically mm. by you know we kind of go I spend my days reading I spend my days training I spend my days doing this I spend my days not getting too exhausted doing too much so I have energy for the show, um, and you just kind of put it a day away at a time and you know FaceTime's a great thing but like even that's weird because the timeline so the time difference is so weird, yeah. you're going to bed, when she's getting up, that's a weird one. And sometimes I, I, I'll send her little video diaries. I'll kind of like three minutes walking down the street saying, I've nothing to say. Here's where I am today. And did this, I did this. And so between, and it's on a, it's on a phone, which is exactly the same image and uh, thing as when you're on FaceTime. Mm. So after like two months of that, you're kind of going, was I talking to you or was I just sending you a video or was I act? So that becomes a bit weird after a while. So... And it takes a little bit of readjustment coming home as well, and seeing my nieces and nephews when they're growing up as well. That's that's weird as well because they're you know you come back after two months and you're kind of going, well they're different. Yeah, they're into this whole new thing now, or they're kind of grown a foot or something like that. So it's tough, but then at the same time you're getting to see the world, and 
uh, you're expanding your mind and you know it's it's weird it's look it's every, I, I, I I hate to sound over negative but I think everything's about balance yeah there's and two I, sides to it like exactly yeah no yeah. I appreciate that and yeah I, I think in, in situations like this everything you say to me sounds like a compliment and I just can't deal with it so I have right. to kind of go no, it's not that great it's yeah, not yeah, that yeah. great yeah. so I always kind of end up speaking quite negatively but I love my job yeah. I love what I do I really do and as tough as it is I, I love that it's that tough yeah. I love that it's that um, yeah I do I, I love that it's that much of a challenge because otherwise it's just boring isn't it yeah well 100% yeah yeah I know. Come here, look. Um, this has been deadly. Thank you so much for taking the time to do Such it. Such a pleasure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I really appreciate pleasure. it. It was lovely to meet you and have the chats. Um, so, Aaron Monaghan, thanks for playing personality bingo. Such a pleasure. Thanks. So, guys, that was Aaron Monaghan playing personality bingo with Tom Moore. And as I said, a massive thank you to you, Aaron. I know you're not listening, but um, will someone do me a favour and, and pass it on? Uh, make a game of Chinese whispers. I really appreciate it. It was such a great episode. Um, the guy is just a gent, and he's really captivating, really fascinating, really thoughtful, really kind. Um, I, I, as I mentioned in the podcast, I'd listen to podcasts with him, and I had an impression of what it might be like, and it was so different. And not, 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 not in a good way or a bad way. Um, it was just, actually, no, it wasn't a good way, because it was fucking deadly. Uh, and you're never sure how these things are going to go, uh, especially when you're chatting to one of your heroes, you know, not to be cheesy about it, but uh, to be cheesy about it, yeah, Aaron's one of the best actors in a country, and I think uh, any actor strives to be that, you know, um, and do the best job they can do, and be part of the ensemble he's been part of, uh, and lead companies, the way he's led companies, and um, it was a real honour to um, chat to him, so Aaron, as I said, a massive thank you for taking the time to do it, uh, as I said, guys, lyrics is all finished up, uh, which means it's on to the next thing for me, um, I have absolutely nothing uh, lined up, I have done some auditions lately, which has been great, because I haven't auditioned in ages, but I'm taking some time, quite purposely, um, to go away and have a little think about things and do some writing I uh, said no to stuff for the first time in my life so just a little personal juncture that's kind of a, a weird thing when you start to do that but um, you know it's been an interesting time for me moving agency and like getting new representation and just doing like having a real like solid like kind of 18 20 months of work and um, that now I want to take like a few weeks at least um, and hopefully pick something back up uh, in the, the coming weeks you know uh, coming into the summer a few things in the pipeline so I'm kind of hopeful I'll have some good news to share with you over the next while but nothing confirmed and um, which is kind of nice so I'm going to go take some time go on a little holiday go do some writing write the next play and um, hopefully write some stuff for stage and screen um, and uh, yeah just kind of take some time um, to uh, chill out and exhale because it's been such a crazy time and um, also moving out to the countryside for a little bit so yeah it's kind of a little time of change for me um, but the podcast will always be here uh, and it will uh, remain um, every Sunday and uh, yeah you know it's always a joy to uh, hear what you guys think so if you are listening do let me know I really really appreciate when you take the time to do it uh, in other news the thank yous a massive thank you to Erin Lindsay as I said Erin took over from Taz really recently big boots to fill and my god has she done it it's been such a seamless transition um, she's an absolute dope uh, such a nice person uh, and a lovely presence and um, I'll have to go for a pint Erin soon because we only got to meet a couple of times it's such a weird job producing a podcast because we just communicate over like email and stuff all the time so Erin uh, massive thank you for being the boss woman that you are and producing editing and mixing the podcast uh, in other news a massive thank you to Alan and Paddy at Headstuff for having us also to all the uh, social media team and the interns at Headstuff who do wonderful wonderful work a huge thank you as always to Liam Moore and Anthony Manley for the deadly theme music and as well a massive thank you to Connor Nolan for our wonderful artwork uh, I think that's it for this week above all a massive thank you to you for taking uh, the time to listen to us I always really appreciate it our numbers are great at the moment but it would be great to get the word out to more people uh, we want to keep bringing in more guests like Aaron like John Butler all these amazing people that we've had and the more numbers we have the easier for me it is to attract people because I can say look let's have a chat and we'll put it out so to people and you can plug your stuff and uh, 
we'll get to share like all your amazing stories and knowledge and all that bits um, all those bits and bobs because that's what this is all about so guys enough of all my chatter a massive thank you to you for being you and for taking the time to listen to this podcast uh, and a massive thank you to Aaron Monaghan for playing personality bingo with Tom Moran